attitudes of sexual integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. Season three, some indie rock on the podcast from the website formerly known as the Podsafe Music Network. This is the one twos. The one number two S at the end dot com. 2014 people. Honestly, I didn't know I'd be alive this long. Feels like the first time. Feels like the last time. Feels like any other time, but now. Feels like suicide. Feels like I'm alive. Feels like any other way, but I Yes, two thousand fourteen. ASI247.org is the website. Getting into the topic today, I want to raise the question, should we lose the emotional, uh, optimistic expectancy in 2014? You hear a lot of people say that New Year's resolutions don't work, right? Um, There's some truth to that. (laughs) There's some science to back that up, right? Uh, But what does that mean for our outlook towards the future? I think it's an honest question. Again, ASI247.org is the website. At Russ Shaw, all one word, is my uh, Twitter handle, if if you tweet. Before Twitter came along, there was this thing called the cliché, right? You ever heard of cliche? I think cliche kind of has a negative connotation today. We hear something like, here it is, a new year, 2014, and you hear people say things like, um, it's a new year, new you, right? And when when we say that's become cliche, you know, this this little uh, cultural tweet, right? Something under 140 characters that you can repeat really quickly. New year, new you. When we say it's become cliche, I think it's like it lo- it's lost its its like power, right? But the reason why things become cliche, I think, is because we've just heard them a lot of times, and so we dismiss them. Listen, I don't want to be negative, but I also don't want to be too overly positive, right? <laughs> new year, new you, uh, please, right? That's kind of the negative comedian response. See, I have a friend who says, I try not to think too positively. I try not to have too much of an optimistic attitude because if I do, then I feel the weight, right? I feel crushed when bad things happen. So I just don't expect good things to happen. That way, I don't feel bad when they do (laughs) or as bad when they do, right? And I don't know, man. I I, I can't live that way, right? Like, I'd rather be disappointed than live my life... I don't know, is that Eeyore? If I could interview Eeyore, 
right? From Winnie the Pooh, like, it'll never work. Like, is that his kind of worldview as well? If I don't get too excited about things, then nothing, I won't be disappointed. Well, congratulations. You are blue, <laughs> right? You're not just singing the blues. Eeyore is literally blue. Um, again, is that a, a fulfilling, you know, life? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't sign me up for that kind of philosophy. I'm, I'm not, I just, I don't know, man. I'm not trying to judge you if you think that way, but at the same time, uh, just raising the question, man. All right? Uh, I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a priest. I'm not clergy. I'm certainly not a elder or deacon. All right? <laughs> I'm not a therapist. I, I don't, I'm not going to lay you on a couch and ask you how you feel about things. How does that make you feel? No. I, 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 do something and then tell me how that made you feel after you've done something. That's more of what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm a, coach's, a coach's heart. But at the same time, I get that way of thinking because it does hurt and it is disappointing when, when we fail and when we fall. Um, so there is some truth to that. And, okay, I'm in the pizza business. As I'm recording this, I just left the largest Toyota dealership in the Seattle metro area. It's actually in Bellevue. It's like this Goliath service department uh, here in Bellevue at the Toyota dealership. Anyway, so there's over a hundred people working in there, something like that, right? There's over a hundred bays, right? If you're going to get your car serviced in the Seattle area, chances are these guys are gonna do it quicker than most because they have so many bays. Anyway, so my business is usually slow for the first two weeks of the year. Does that make sense? I just walked out of there. I went in there with about uh, a dozen pizzas, which is their standing order, right? Every week, you know, I get, they got me down for uh, 12 pizzas. It's usually what they buy. Um, and then the employees fill the order when I come in. So I, I, I have a 12 pizza order. I sold like six <laughs> right? And then I have a friend who managed a gym for a while in Marysville. And he'd said that, you know, you've heard this before, right? Like the first two weeks of the year at the gym are always just jam packed with people. All the people who said, you know what? The new year, new me, I'm going to get on the treadmill. I'm going to lose some pounds. I'm going to get into shape. And then two weeks later, everything goes back to normal. It's the same in my business. Two weeks a week from now, a week from today, more than likely, and it's just happened. I've been doing this for years now, right? Um, it's like 18 years I've been doing the pizza business. So it's it's going to go back just the back right back to normal. It always has. It's always a little short, always a little slow for two weeks, and then usually it goes back to normal. Why is that? I want to offer you and have you think about something that basically what I think it is, it has to do with the passage of time that when we see the calendar change and we hear people say things like, new year, new you, right? That sounds good. And because the future isn't um, set in stone, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. As we see the calendar change, um, we take stock or have faith in the fact that things are going to get better in the future. 
that it's going to look up, that I can change, I can be a new me in 2014, right? So we put our faith in that. It's the same thing as, as that, that word taking stock. When you take stock, right, when you buy a stock, if you, <laughs> you're buying stocks in the stock market, you don't know if it's going to go up or down. You have a little bit of faith, right? It's the same with the word theory, right? If I, if I have a certain amount of scientific evidence to back up a certain theory, and I can put that into a systematic formula, all right, I'm going to bore you if I keep going on, <laughs> like stuff like that. But anyway, you get what I'm saying, right? And uh, are, if you're tracking with me, and I'd love to get your emails on this, it's russ at asi247.org. Email's just the quickest way, all right? I could... Twitter, right? At Russ Shaw, whatever. But anyway, so if you're tracking with me on this, follow me on this, all right? So here, here's what I'm saying. What we do when the calendar changes is that we are taking a, a certain object and we're putting stock in that object, to use that kind of metaphorical language. Um, we're putting our faith in the change of the calendar. And then... See, our willpower is something outside of that. We always attach our willpower to the thing that we're taking stock in. Does that make sense? Now, when you buy stock, it doesn't take a whole lot of willpower, it, 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 but it does take risk. And when you ever take a risk, you are fully invested and engaged in this thing called faith. Now, the definition of faith is putting your hope in something that you haven't seen. You're not sure what's going to happen. You don't know what the future holds, but you're going to put faith in this thing because you want hope for a better future, right? And listen, if you're tracking with me, doesn't it make sense that that's what people are doing when they do New Year's resolutions on a very shallow level? That's why for two weeks, the pizza guy has slow business while the guy at the gym has a lot of business. And that's also why the two weeks afterwards, everything goes back to normal. Why? Because again, we took our faith or our stock, we put stock in a change on the calendar. Now, how shallow is that, right? It's a new year, a new me. Um, see, that's where it takes a little more study on our part. I consider myself a optimistic realist, all right? Because I'm not going to be Mr. Surfacy, kind of hollow, shallow. Yeah, go get him, buddy. It's a new year, new you. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Russ Shaw out, right? That's not... <laughs> That's not helping anybody. And statistically, um, we, we know it's not true, right? The reason why New Year, New You, right? People put that in commercials and stuff like that. The reason why that is a thing is because there's a, there's a hint of truth behind it, right? So when the calendar changes to a new year every year, people get this little sense of hope right? Like, all right, the calendar's changed and it's a new year. So 2013, that's the past. Okay. You following, you're tracking with me. So the change of the calendar is a significant thing in our lives because it's, it's a one year event. We start writing down and paperwork and stuff at different dates. And it, so there, there is a little hope to it, like a glimmer of 
life change. Like, I can be a different person in 2014 because 2013 is gone. And I think it's a noble thing to think, right? I mean, we all want to change. We all want to see change in our life. We all want to improve for the better. Like being reborn into a new year, you know? That's usually the avatar that we have for New Year's Day, right? If you see an image of, <laughs> of, of what New Year's is, it's either fireworks, you know, that's usually New Year's Eve, but they'll show like, a, like an old man with a top hat and a cane wearing a diaper on one side, and then there's a baby on the other side wearing a, a, a diaper, right? And he's got the, the, the thing across his chest that says whatever year, right? 2014, it's, it's, the, it's the new birth. Of, of a new year. A lot of people say that, like, do people really change, Russ? You know, come on. Uh, yes, they do. You will change. Here's the deal. On your, on some level of your spirit or your soul, right, your personality, your character, I think God makes each and every one of us unique. And part of our character development or our spiritual development, some have called it, right, over the years has to do with what we love, what we like, what we don't like, um, our pursuits, People will say, new year, new you, right? That's cliche. But I think it's a worthwhile and meaningful pursuit to want to see life change. Um, I have changed, all right? There's things in me that have changed to the degree that I didn't think they would. I had lost hope, um, I, right? This, I'm not the sex addict philandering adulterated, right, cheater that I used to be. And I used to try and hide everything in the dark because I couldn't, didn't think I could change. And I have. It's been eight years. It's amazing. All right? I'm living proof that, yes, people do change. Anyhow, more nuggets from the uh, NoFap no fap website. I want to do uh, uh, talk about something that somebody said, and the guy I think had a good heart behind what he said, but what he said kind of bugged me, so I want to address it a little bit. He said, um, "Drop the attitude." Right? He said, uh, "No fappers, drop the attitude in 2014." And um, I, I guess I get what you're talking about. Like New Year's resolutions. A resolution is basically a, a personal law that you put on yourself. And we know historically with most people how, how those work out, right? Um, we Again, we attach a law or a rule to our body, our mind does, or our spirit does. And then um, we end up doing what we usually do most of the time. That's breaking a habit is more than just saying, Hey, from this day on, I'm not going to do this anymore, right? If you have an ingrained deep habit, especially like sexual addiction, which some, uh, you know, neurologists and, and brain scientists and doctors are saying is uh, very much like a heroin and a cocaine addiction, I mean, that's going to be a little tougher to, to kick than just you deciding, having a New Year's resolution that you're just not going to do it anymore, right? So I guess I get what that guy's saying. Like, sometimes I think that we can... In a way to kind of guard our own hearts, we can say things like, 
Um, don't get too bummed out when you fail, right? Like go into 2014, um, but drop the, the, the gung-ho kind of attitude. I guess I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, I, I'm going to disagree. All right, I didn't, I didn't see the victory that I that I see today. I, I haven't had the uh, right. This thing isn't owning me anymore, and I haven't lived in this kind of victory because I decided to kind of wean myself off it. Does that make sense? Like every time I died and failed. You know, system failure, right? When I relapsed, I said, I'm not freaking doing this anymore. When I got serious about it, that's when things started to change. But I also, again, I also had to, if I saw myself caught in a pattern where um, I would go uh, a week and then relapse, a week and then relapse, or if I went a month and then relapse, or 90 days and then relapse, I... It was cool to see that stretch taking place, but at the same time, when I did relapse, I had to be honest and get into it, like talking about it, being in a group of other folks, right, who struggle with the same kind of stuff and and talking about it. And then I would learn maybe some more and somebody would poke around in there a little bit and find out where I was, my attitude may be off, where I was being selfish and self-absorbed which is ultimately what we're doing with our genitals, right? Um, so, does that make sense? Like, it's cool to have that attitude. I think you should have that attitude. Like, when you start, like tomorrow, say you're going to start tomorrow. Like, I'm going to start tomorrow, and I'm never going to freaking look at porn and masturbate ever again. Starting tomorrow. Damn it. That's the end. Till I die. Right? That's a good attitude. Do that. Great. But if you do fail, and I don't think you should go into it thinking you are going to fail, getting on your knees, being in prayer, um, some of you guys, man, you think you can do this without some kind of spiritual, like you've neglected or you just dismiss the, the, the fact that you may, that there may be something out there bigger than you, right? Talk about the higher power metaphor, whatever. There is a God. This God does did make you and cares about you. I mean, getting into theology, um, I could go, and I've gone a lot on that in past shows, but again, it's something to address. It's something to address. What if there's something bigger than you? What if all your willpower you're trying to muster up isn't doing it? Um, it's, again, it's, it, I'm just asking you to dig a little deeper underneath that fleshy skin of yours. So you get what I'm saying, right? Have the attitude that, yes, I'm, my goal is self-control, and I am going to stop now and then keep going, man. See, if you put yourself out like, say, I'm going to go two weeks and then I'm going to masturbate again, I'll give myself that little break. Um, theologically, for me, that just isn't an option. My relationship with God doesn't allow for that kind of thinking, right? But it did allow for a lot of relapses, hundreds, thousands of relapses. It took a, it took a few years when I really got like angry, attitude-wise, gonna get this thing out of me. A couple of years, man. It took a couple of years. 
I don't know how that, that's going to go that way for you. Everybody's different. There's no silver bullet for this thing. Um, but again, if, if you're going like, okay, two weeks from now, I'm going to go ahead and treat myself to a porno masturbatory session, then you're just stretching it out with these little, oh, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen two weeks from now. I, it's, that's not freedom. That's a weird definition of freedom for me. There was another guy who uh, had a comment about a lot of the folks on, on NoFap are just trying to kick pornography, um, but still in sort of predatory mode when it comes to sexual relations with other women. Uh, I don't know how many folks are, like, you know, th there's a lot of folks that talk like that. Like, they, they're just looking for, looking to hunt women like a deer or something. Um, ultimately, you're going to have to realize that your need, again, to be naked with someone else is not just body, but it's body, mind, soul, spirit, right? Like, you're not just having sex with another body that is a human being person with feelings. They have hurts. They have desires. They have dreams. They have right it's not just a, it's not just a body with a vagina for you right it's not just a guy with a ladies right you, you hear what i'm saying that's another person that's another human being and there's something about the mental health of this where we can be naked emotionally right like you can have someone know you you could actually let yourself fall in love with someone else. Oh, I've been hurt in the past, Russ. I joined the club. I know, and I know it hurts, all right? It hurt me. I had a couple of girlfriends who both cheated on me before my wife. Um, it, it was devastating. It was like ripping my soul out of my chest. It hurt. Emotional wounds there's people have done brain scans and the brain lights up the same way with an emotional wound as it does with a physical wound. It, it's, it's woundedness. It's hurt. But you let yourself love again. Have the courage to let yourself love again, alright? Even if that means falling in love with the same person that you're with now. Man, people just jump in and out of marriage too fast in this culture. It's, it's stupid. It's not even marriage. It's it's cohabitating with a license. Covenant marriage means unconditionally loving someone the way God loves us. Right? That's that's the Christian. Again, when I say Christian, I'm talking about you know some of this American Christianity out there is just not Christian, and I'm sorry. I, I really am. I'm sorry for some. Christians out there who may have distorted what Jesus says and what Christianity is really about. I had an email early when I was doing the show that said, oh, this new kind of cool way you're doing uh, recovery. And I said, it's not new. It's very, very old. It's just, you know, like 15th century reformed Christianity. Lutheranism, if you want, if you will. Um, 
the, the writings and the thoughts of Martin Luther as it applies to the Christian faith uh, as a reformer who was saw the tragedy and the abuse and the power, you know, abuse of power with the Catholics, right? I mean, this is just, that's what religion leads to. Ultimately, toxic, bad religion leads to death, guilt, right? Worldly regret, but godly sorrow, godly regret leads to conviction, leads to life change. So as your optimistic realist, right, I pray that more people become optimistic realists, realize that, yes, taking this thing on is a, a journey that, you know, it's going to take focus, it's going to take some reserve, some resolve, right, some steadfastness, some perseverance, and listen, yes, um, I'm not going to do this anymore. Have that attitude. But when and if, most likely when, you, you fall, you get back up. If there's anything I've told this uh, lots of times in the show, man, if there's any behavior modification thing, you know, that one thing, it was a series of things. It was committing to the process was the big one. But if there's any one thing that was the biggest thing, that helped me see my way out of this. First of all, that's my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's my relationship with my Savior, because I don't have enough willpower to save myself. Second was what I call repentance in a moment, right? Repentance in a moment is basically um, when the despair or disappointment comes up on you and you're tempted to quit, you get back up. You get back up. All right? That's freedom. That's real freedom. Is fighting this thing. Is not quitting. It's getting back up when you get knocked down. Do you understand? That is the truth. Um, a guitar player who wants to play his own music has got to learn the chords. It's a discipline. It's self-discipline to learn those chords. But when that cat learns those chords, then he can compose. That's what your life is like. And it's going to take some self-discipline to get through this season. And when you get knocked down, you get back up. Five times, ten times, a hundred times. When do you do? What do you do? You get back up. You hear me? I love you guys, man. More than you know, get back up. You get knocked down, you get back up. See... Two steps forward and one step back is still a step forward, isn't it? Um, relapse is kind of part of the deal. But do we go into 2014 thinking that I'm going to take two steps forward and one step back? That's just, I, I, I don't, right? What do you do with that kind of thinking? Some people are just way too, um, how, how may I call it without offending folks? Uh, just too much book smarts, right? Like, I tend to feel better when I can break things down into some kind of um, formula, right? 
like a mathematical or scientific formula that I can understand. And if, and if I can wrap my mind around it, maybe that'll make me feel better in the moment. See, it doesn't take a degree in theology to realize that men and women have a, a, a need, a longing, right? A, uh, something in our soul is made to want monogamy, to want commitment, to want to know I'm not going to be cheated on, to want to know that you're going to be my girl, right? All these rock and roll and country songs, you know, forever, right? But we've kind of thrown that out in our culture because we get hurt. Is that it? Have we just become emotional weaklings? I, I don't know. Get hurt, get back up. Don't, don't allow yourself to turn into a blood-sucking, cold-hearted, ice-in-the-veins vampire. Because that's a lot of what this kind of sexual predatory behavior is. And it's still sexual addiction. Here's the deal. And that's what was kind of laughable to me. Like, I just want to get to the point where I'm not looking at porn and masturbating. Okay, well, here's what happened with me. My darkness in my soul of looking at porn and having that get worse and worse. And then, you know... I mean, seeing animals, having sex with people, right? And then, and then getting to the point where I picked up a hitchhiker one day that wasn't a hitchhiker. It was just an, an extension of my porn habit. She happened to be a prostitute. Seeing myself do something that I thought I would never do, which was cheat on my wife. It was disgusting. It was gross. It made me feel worse than looking at porn and masturbating. But then I kept doing that because then I got addicted to doing that. My sexual addiction, right? It's sexual addiction, all right? It's not just PMO, pornography, masturbate, orgasm. There's a, that's systematic. Does that make sense? I think a lot of the scientific community can confuse us on what addiction means. When you crack open the Webster's Dictionary, it says it's a bad habit. You have a bad habit. And if you think that you're just going around and having sex with people is any different than jerking off to a porno movie, it's not much different, man. It's not that hard, especially if you live in a big city. And now that you have to go see prostitutes, it's, it's just... We are becoming as promiscuous today. We've almost reached the levels as, as they did in the 60s with the kind of free love hippie movement. That's where we're at. So it's kind of laughable to me to say that, oh, my goal is to have meaningful sex with a, with a woman. Well, what about relationship? What about legacy? Right? What's going to be written on your tombstone? Do you think that far out? I'm talking to the young men here for a moment. I love you guys. I want to challenge you guys to think about legacy. To think about who you're going to be. What kind of mark you make on people's lives. On people's hearts. On people's souls. Whether you might want to be a father someday. And, and, you know, my dad, I love my dad. I got issues, right? But I love my dad. He worked hard. He paid his child support. I didn't see him as, as often as, as I'd like, but, you know, that's just my story. But I'm a dad. I, by the grace of God, didn't get divorced. You know, we think of legacy, and, and I've thought about this before. I'm kind of an entrepreneur. Um, I haven't had a normal job in over 20 years. I've, I work for myself, that kind of thing. Uh, we think of legacy a lot of times, as, 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 especially with men, as, as achievement. 
women are getting that way too, working the way up the corporate ladder, being someone who's admired um, professionally. And, th- and there's nothing wrong with that, but it can take over our, our identity and what we think is our legacy. You know, I think it would be pretty freaking cool to have a, a hit song, right? If I was a musician, have a hit album. But you think about that as your legacy. Um, do you remember who won the Grammy for Best Album last year? Yeah, me neither. Uh, what about movies? Being in the movie business, you know, working with actors and making films. Do you remember who won the Oscar for Best Picture last year? I don't either. <laughs> um, and I follow this stuff. I, I just don't, I don't remember. It's, it's past my mind. It's not that important. But can I tell you something? There are people in my life, um, men and women, who made a difference in my life. That said something. That that meant something. That were were kind of like that solid granite rock kind of thing, right? My, my grandmother, my grandfather, staying married for all those years. My aunt and uncle, there's some people that really were, um, you know, not just a role model, but they, they really, I mean, that was biblical, I love you, you love me, beyond circumstances, right? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're going to stick together, we're going to stick this thing out anyway. I mean, those kind of people, I... I made an impression on me. People that loved me enough to to um, challenge me when I was trying to kill myself. Right? My mom and dad who weren't perfect were kind of a mess but did their best to love me. They brought me into this world. The reason I'm experiencing life now and what kind of legacy will you leave when you leave this earth, it's something to think about. Got an email from a dude named Dave, and Dave is fighting this thing. I've got a lot of emails recently. I'm going to be getting emails every day lately. Uh, Dave's email struck me because he said, you know, I mean, he's... And Dave could be anywhere, all right? I'm using his first name, but Dave's a pretty common first name, especially in my country. He could be uh, even Australia, right? He could be... England, we, we don't know, it's, it's Dave. Dave is, uh, Dave is fighting this thing. And I am so freaking proud of him. He's separated right now. That's how far, how bad it got. So pray for my friend Dave if you're one that prays, you know. But I am so proud that he is going to pick up and fight this thing. He's going to pick up a sword. That he's not going to just lay around. That he's going to redefine what freedom means. He's going to dig a little deeper on his definition of love. And he's going to keep on fighting. And that encourages me so much. This guy wants to love his wife, love his family, and think about his legacy. It encourages me. It's exciting. It's why I do this thing. And listen, as encouraged I am that folks like Dave would take on the ultimate challenge, what what's even more encouraging is when people start digging for, right, looking and seeking truth, start to get philosophically smart, not just book smart. Um, for example, the uh, this country, I heard a statistic that 
This country makes more books on healthy living, healthy eating, right? Dietary books. We publish more of that kind of material than any other country in the world. Yet the CDC came out with a report, I think it was like from 2011 or 2012 or something, that we, like 60% of us are overweight. So listen, information, just learning more information, is that working? Man, it, there has to be a why. There's got to be a why behind the what. Um, Oxford University, I think I brought this up in the last show, but they started doing these uh, classes on philosophy and physics because the two aren't mutually exclusive. There has to be a, a why, right? Why would you study such a thing? Why do you want to know the laws of physics, for example? Uh, I got another email from a listener who, who was kind of in a frustrated place when it came to reading his Bible, right? Getting into the scriptures and understanding spiritually things that are going on. And he kind of asked me, like, like how do you do it, Russ? Like, how do you have enough faith to you just get through the day? Like, how do you have enough faith to just be sane, right? Um, I, who said I was sane, right? I never said I was sane. Like, I'm half crazy. I said that a couple times on the, the NoFap site. Like, you know what? I am half crazy. Listen by your own uh, risk, all right? <laughs> I play heavy metal, say swear words, talk about theology, philosophy, and, you know, a little bit of psychology. But I, I never said I was sane. <laughs> That's the truth, man. Uh... The last time I talked to a mental health professional, uh, actually it was a it was a doctor, a medical doctor said that I'm I'm probably bipolar. I've just learned how to ride the pendulum, so to speak. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, he was kind of asking how I, how I get there, right? Like if I if I've read the Bible and, and somehow I've I've un done the Rubik's Cube known as theology somehow solved the puzzle and now I've arrived at this place where where I, I feel good about myself or the future or I have some kind of peace in my soul. Um, I guess I do have a lot more peace in my soul than I did before, but I can't tell you that it's by figuring things out theologically. And it's not that I've figured everything out, it's that I've put my faith in an object that's bigger than myself, that's different than myself. I don't muster up enough faith to be a good boy, all right? I'm not, I'm not a good boy, first of all, um, but I don't muster up enough faith to have peace in my heart. I've simply put my faith in, in something more tangible as an object than just the turning of the calendar, all right? Other religions may say that you have to be more faithful or you have to, you know, somehow uh, plug into some charger which is going to, you know, uh, get the green little battery icon lit up in your soul. No, man, I don't muster up enough faith. I barely have any faith. Jesus says that. If you can have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains and as far as uh, going, uh, when I went my first year without using pornography, that was like moving a freaking mountain, all right? Because I never thought that would be possible. 
and it was. And, and now, man, it's eight years later. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a, a man. Again, people do change. But to say that I've arrived at some kind of place where I'm, uh, I'm okay, man, I'm not okay. <laughs> That's just the truth. Riding the pendulum rather than being on medication is just a choice I've made. And I can functionally live my life and, I, and I'm okay. And listen, not going on Wellbutrin was a decision that I made with my doctor. Being weaned off the other psychotropic meds I was on was something that I didn't just do cold turkey, all right? Don't do that, man. Uh, under supervision of, of, a, of a doctor, psychiatrist, uh, sometimes in, in mental health in my country and in other countries, people want to take the cheap route and just have any, any old MD prescribe you or unprescribe you. Uh, I think you should fight to have a, a psychiatrist who knows something about brain chemistry help you with those kinds of meds, right? Getting off them or the decision to get on them. This is not something that just some medical doctor should be doing, in my opinion, uh, as somebody who knows more than <laughs> more than one person who's, who's on uh, meds, all right? But I do have, again, the peace in my soul comes from not mustering it up by my own effort, but responding to something that's true and that's different than something that you work towards like a, a, like an athlete will train to so they can get to the point where they can run a marathon for example right like people who run marathons they usually train for a while in order to do that you know do like a 26 mile run it's going to take some training uh, that's not what I've done here all right the analogy that I'd like to present is the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Bible is a report on a news story that happened, all right? The word gospel actually means news. If you think of a, like World War II is over and that headline comes out amongst the populace, right? The war is over. The troops are coming home and there's parades and there's joy, right? There's that picture of that, that woman kissing the, the sailor in, in Times Square in New York. Everybody remembers that. You know, th this, this is news, all right? This is news that my heart collided with. It's not something that I've achieved, so to answer the, the emailer's question, um, if I had to muster up enough faith to train for the marathon that is, you know, this religious peace, right, to be a whole person, as, as Oprah Winfrey would say, right, and just got to achieve or read enough books, right, if I had to train to do it, man, forget it. I don't have that kind of faith. But I do, placing my object the faith object, not in simply a turn of a calendar, but in this historical thing that happened. Was Jesus God in human flesh? Yes. Yes, he is. Does he want you to be born again and not religious like the Pharisee Nicodemus coming to him in the dark? 
John chapter 3, if you want to read it. It's funny how you hear this born again, you have to be born again, like you become some kind of holy person if you do that. It's kind of a religious holy guy that comes to Jesus, and Jesus, when the first time he says this analogy, it's to a religious Pharisee guy who's coming to Jesus in the dark for one of two reasons. Um, either he's done something wrong and he has this weight on his heart about his sin, and he knows somewhere down in there deep that he can't do it on his own or it's the fact that Jesus is kind of a he's kind of an outlaw preacher in the day right I mean you hang around Jesus you're not you know amongst the Pharisees during that time and there's people that wanted to kill him and they did the religious people killed Jesus that's right being born again is deciding to bend your knee and submit to God and just take on faith that this thing happened. But I'm not a blind faith guy. I kind of I, there is a lot of faith involved, but there is a lot of human history too. Um, Jesus Christ is simply uh, the most talked about, the most written about, the most ancient data on of any human being in um, human history. All right, you do with that what you may. I believe good news and when I can rest in it. And there's some days where I have a hard time, but I go back and I pray and I, and I remember the story and how it's not based on something that Russ Shah has to do. It's based on something that Jesus already did. Like everyone's a truth seeker. Everyone, you know, gains bits of evidence and stuff, and when we take leaps of faith, or we would never drive or leave the house. Does that make sense? There's a why behind the what. So, as far as sexual integrity is concerned, it, was it like a marathon? Yeah, man, still is. Still kind of a marathon. But where I find refuge is breaking that down. Right? The, the temptations are broke down by my soul finding refuge. I hope that makes sense. I felt led to leave this show, the, the first show of 2014, with a, a kind of spiritual challenge. I, some of you are listening and you're, you're looking for help, you're looking for answers, and you're thinking, oh, this guy's going to give me religion. Man, I'm not going to give you religion because religion doesn't save. When I say Jesus Christ is my savior, what that means is it's it's a spiritual reality. It, it's not religion. Religion is something that you try and stuff in from the outside. It's prestige. It's trying to look good on the surface. It's wanting to be something you're not, right? God has you... Again, God built you. God made you unique. God has a purpose for your life. But he is the tree and we're the branches. Constantly, man, I've, I've throughout my life pursued uh, false saviors. Like it, That's what addiction is. It's clinging to some kind of savior. Like, save me from this moment. Save me from the pain. Save me from the anxiety. I just want to feel something. Save me. Uh, the religious people in the scriptures, man, and in the New Testament, 
Jesus is is constantly having to challenge them because they think they can do it on their own. And they think they're better than other people. Um, Jesus says, you know, Mark uh, chapter 2 is around verse 17. I, I, I didn't come for the righteous, right? If you think that you have good standing with God, um, he's like, you don't get it. I came for sinners. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners, Jesus says. This evil versus spirit battle that's in all of us. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. All right? He came to save it. All right? You're constantly trying to look for a new Savior, and there is one Savior. God came into this world as the Son. All right? He entered into time and space as a man. He doesn't just sit up in heaven, created this whole thing, and then wants us to kind of figure it out. He actually came here, walked among us, hurt. All right? Um, I love you guys. I want to leave the show right there. My name is Russ Shaw. Uh, if you've made a decision to, you know, do some business with God, to receive that forgiveness, to, to realize being born again isn't just a change in the calendar that's going to magically, you're going to put your faith in that, right? It's the object of your faith that matters, all right, Jesus Christ being the object of your faith changes things. It's deeper than a change of the calendar. It's deeper than religion and you trying to clean yourself up. It's a real spiritual reality that moves in your heart and soul. Again, I am not Mr. Self-Discipline, man. I'm not. So I wanted to take this time at the end of the show here to invite you to open that little door of your soul to make the decision, right, on bended knee to a new king who, who comes in and just loves you. In Christ, there's this term in the Bible is repeated very often. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we are righteous as an inheritance. That's how God sees us. Not because of behavior, but because of what Jesus did. In Christ, we are adopted as sons and daughters. All right? I don't throw down a book of rules for my kids and say, if you can obey these, then I'll love you. Uh, who does that? That's abusive. God doesn't do that either. So uh, I'm, I'm challenging you spiritually to just open that little door of your soul and invite God in. Because he's knocking, man. He's pursuing you. He's after you. That's why you've listened to the show to this point and haven't turned it off yet. All right? That's being born again. That simply is what it is. Receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. Instead of all the other shallow saviors that we know don't work. My name is Russ. Uh, again, ASI247.org. Uh, send me a message if you've made this kind of decision, man. I'd like to hear from you. Um, and just pray, all right? Spend some time with God. Get alone with Him. Take a walk. Get out of the noise, man. God really speaks to us in the quiet. 
slowed down times. Our smartphone is in the other room or in the other county. Until next week, till next time, bye. Yeah.